Hey everybody, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. We are uh, re-releasing a previous episode uh, with uh, Brody Stevens, who unfortunately passed away recently, and uh, it was really a huge shock and disappointment and uh, to uh, a lot of communities, but definitely our community of, of stand-up comedy, for sure. Um, by the way, John, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. We were so close. You know, Brody loved talking about 818 for life. Yeah. And uh, our episode, I never even paid attention to this, is 81. So we were only an eight away from it being episode 818, <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it's a huge loss. It's been really, it's getting it's getting harder and harder and not easier and easier. I know it's only been a couple of days, but every time I, you know, you think about that guy and he's one of those guys you just kind of always assumed would be around. And every time he saw you, he had something to say, like something nice to say to you. Or he, I think the most important thing that I felt was that he never, he never forgot you. He met people one time and then remembered their names, where they were from. Like he was, people talk about how his comedy was in the moment. Um, but his whole life, like he lived in the moment. There's no other way you could remember all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like other than being so, incredibly focused on what you were doing at that time. Um, and he just, it's, it's just so sad, man. I mean, he's, uh, you walk down that, that side path at the comedy store to get to the back. He was always standing there, always fist bumps, always something to say, always having a conversation, always willing to pull you into the conversation. Um, I, I think that's the, 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 the greatest thing about that guy is that he didn't talk down or look down on anybody and he made everybody he talked to feel like they were supposed to be right there. Yeah. He, was, um, uh, and I've said this before, but the, the unique thing that he had going for him is that once you, like you talked about, once you met him and, uh, uh, and he never forgot I, I, for myself, I will speak for myself, but I know for a lot of people, um, they look forward to having Brody see you because it, he's going to give you a positive roast. He's going to say something to you. He's going to make you feel good in the moment. So, like, you get, you're, uh, you get excited when you see him because you know he's going to make you uh, feel good. And that's kind of one of those things where um, whatever burdens were going on uh, internally with him, you know, outwardly, uh, he always was there to make people feel good. And, and, and you know, if you... Whether you know Brody or not, if you if if you read up on him now, and this is the first time you're hearing about this, and you're not quite sure uh, uh, much about him, what you're going to find right away is an outpouring of not just sadness uh, in his passing, but also such such. Everyone's just going to remind. I uh, wanted to remind everyone how much joy he brought to their lives, whether and not just from stand-up comedy, like you're talking about, John. He was so in the moment. Um, with people on on the streets and wherever you ran into him, and and that was that was a uniqueness, really a genuine uniqueness that Brody had was um, on stage or off stage. It was just like you said, he was in the moment, and that's and that's where the joy came from. The the couple things I would like to point out to listeners who might again might not know Brody or have uh, or have heard of him, but my guess is if you listen to this podcast, you you pretty much know who he is, but. Um, if you don't, like you go on Twitter and the um, just search the hashtags Brody Stevens, R.I.P. Brody Stevens, whatever. But the the amount of people uh, from all aspects of of 
life. Like Dick Van Dyke tweeted about the loss. Dick Van Dyke, right? Yeah. And then Jake Arrieta. And then Joe Madden, the manager of the Cubs, talked about it. Like, you'll get, from listening to this episode again, you'll hear that Brody was, he was basically part of that 2016 Chicago Cubs team. He was there for all, like, so many games. His friend was the pitching coach, like, a uh, bullpen coach. Like, they loved him being there. And, you know, for them to to kind of talk about the loss and what it meant for them as a team, that that's something, you know. Uh, there There isn't, like, Ed Helms, There there wasn't, like, everybody like from an open micer to the most famous person <laughs> in Hollywood, they love that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they, they had something nice to say about him and he made them laugh and, and feel good. And I think people, you'll see a lot too, that like comics will talk about how he was the comic that comics wanted to watch, which is a rare thing that people would just run into a room to watch whatever he was going to do because it was always different. I literally, that dude never did the same set twice. Yeah. Never. Now, I don't think there was one time in his career where he said word for word, like I've done the same 10 minutes, I've done the same five minutes, I've done the same half hour, I've, and I've done it pretty much word for word several different times. Sure, it changes here and there, but like his every set was different. And it, that's because he was in the moment and he dealt with whatever was going on in the room and he came up in Seattle and New York and then he came back to the store and he he's been uh, he was a destroyer ever since you know yeah i uh um i and you'll also find if you if you do a little bit of interneting on him uh, a lot of great stories are being told by people and he i will say if there's one thing about his legacy outside of stand-up is he has left a huge legacy of amazingly laugh out loud and touching stories from people um, yeah. You could almost put a book together about you, easily <laughs> of, about you <laughs> going back to what you're talking about, about him being around. And, you know, that was the interesting thing about him is this, he just would just pop up out of nowhere sometimes. You know? yeah. he, was a, he was such a floater. And he talks about this in the podcast. And you'll see that. I mean, he talks about getting in cars and driving from stadium to stadium to, you know, to join the Cubs on their journey and stuff like that. And this is part of, I guess who he was, you know what I mean? He would just show up, but, but again, once he was there, he was a part of a moment. He was making, he, I think, I think sometimes, and, and I don't want to read too much into what he was talking, talking to us about, but it feels like, I think not only did he feel like he was in a moment, sometimes I don't even know if he was aware that he was also simultaneously creating a moment. Sometimes he did, you know, sometimes he's very aware of the fact he was creating a moment, but sometimes he was just being in the moment too, you know, being around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think three, three things I'd point at, uh, Paul Palmieri is a, a comic who uh, I really like on Twitter. He's a very funny guy. But he, when as soon as it happened, as soon as the news kind of broke that Brody had passed away, uh, Paul said that he was sitting in a restaurant with two other people who were not comics, didn't live in the com comedy world, and all three of them had Brody stories. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it, he, it was so much beyond comedy. And if you look, John Roy uh, posted a really great thread on Twitter about um, – uh, an industry showcase that they all had to do. And the, everyone, like big names, John didn't name names, but big name people were going up and bombing because the crowd was all industry. It was a Tuesday night. They didn't want to be there. They were miserable. The show was terrible. Brody goes up mid-show 
and just looks <laughs> looks at them and she's like, you think I'm scared of an industry crowd? I hip pocket you. <laughs> and like, and like went to town on these guys and, and broke the room. They all, everyone was dying. Everyone was laughing. And every comic who went up after Brody killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he, he broke that wall down and then gave everyone the path to walk. And if you also look at, uh, Augie Smith has probably my favorite story of them being on the road together. They stopped at a McDonald's. Augie was hung over and he was um, kind of rude to the girl at the counter and they went outside to eat their food and the whole time Brody wouldn't let it go. He's like, you got to go back in there and to apologize to her. That was rude. And Augie's like, what? I don't want to. What? And so Brody makes him go back in and doesn't just let him apologize, but Brody announces to the entire crowded McDonald's, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Augie has something to say. Augie, the floor is yours. So he apologizes to this girl and he's like, do you accept his, what I can only assume is a sincere apology? And she's like, yes, I accept his apology. And he gets the whole restaurant clapping and like involved <laughs> in this, in this minor altercation. It was, those are, those are two of my favorite stories that I've heard. But again, like you said, if you go online, everyone's got a Brody story. He, he was nice enough to be in a pilot that I worked on, um, you know, years ago with Paul, uh, Allen and a couple other people. And, I mean, the guy was kind of blowing up at the time, but he liked Paul. He liked me. He was nice enough to come by for an afternoon and, and, and act in the thing. And he, he, he just having him around on set, I mean, every story, everything he said, I was, I was hanging on every word, you know what I mean? And, and, and not because I'm like, Oh, Brody's famous, but because I was like, Oh, Brody's interesting. He tells a good story and he's lived a crazy life and met a lot of people. Yeah. Like the guys kind of made it his business to be everywhere. And and in a sense, I know that, that, you know, we will never be able to like see him again or like fist bump him, you know. Um, but the idea that he's still everywhere, you know, that kind of energy doesn't just disappear. No. And, and, and you know, again, we we want what we're what we're, we're trying to accomplish here. When, when John and I talked about reposting this, is to to celebrate him. It is sad that he uh, chose to take his own life, and we've talked about it on several other podcasts. If you know, if you're if you're going to that dark place and you feel like you're in that dark place, and we've had we've had guests who have been very open about that. Uh, Eric Edwards just recently was talking about that with us. Um, you know, reach out for help if if you can. You know that that's that's stating the obvious right now, but. In respects to uh, to Brody, it's it's you know I we you know our job here, uh, at least John and I felt um, our community, our we'll call it our bubble, I guess in Los Angeles or whatever is 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 hurting a lot because he did touch so many people. But the but we wanted to just recelebrate um, the wonderfulness that he uh, well for one. Uh, gave us in in our show, but just what he gave to a lot of people because I you know I have a lot of friends that were very close to him and and he, and they they understood a side that he wasn't he didn't share some of his darker stuff with everybody but there are some people that we know that that were um, deeper into that stuff and they were concerned and 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 you know they they they're seeing this uh, in a, in a very uh, diff different and difficult light than many of us are who he only gave us the positive energy as he liked to talk about, you know, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, John, I, I, I used to kind of creep on him when, and for my short period of time that I was on Periscope, he yeah. was just, 
just be random. Again, typical Brody, just walking down the street and just do a periscope about it. And he'd be like, yeah, oh, it looks like a broken water main over here. And he would just spend time watching the broken water main, you know? And if- I'm like, what on earth is this guy doing right now? But like, and then I'd be like, and why are 300 of us watching him do this right now? <laughs> exactly. But it was captivating. Yes. Well, it was you, captivating. Well, again, it's, it's because it's Brody. If it's just like a rando, like just some bizarre person no. doing it and you don't know anything about them, you know, a couple people would like tune in and assume something else is going to happen. And you're like, all right, I'm out. But for Brody, you'd be willing to just have him non-narrate it or narrate it, and you'd be like, "We, I just don't know where this is going, but I want to, I want to know, I want to know what's what's up." Like it's a, that's, I think that's something. Like going back to what you're talking about, if there's a, a something thematically here we're talking about before we get to the, the uh, the episode is that it's about that being in the moment thing, you know? He was just yeah. in the moment, and he's like, "This is what I'm gonna do right now. This is the moment." Yeah. And and he, I mean, his last periscope, I guess, was he was walking around, he found $6 on the ground, donated five of it to charity. Like, it's like, he's, how do you, and that's something that you know, he would go on stage and be like, I'm a giver. I have yeah. $6. I donated five, bought a half a coffee. You know what I mean? He would have some crazy story of what he did with that dollar. Yep. And it was, it's just, he, it, we say this a lot when people pass away that like they left a hole, but like every day that hole seems to get bigger since he's been gone, and it's really, I, I mean, it will be noticeable, <sighs> extremely noticeable within our world, specifically comedy. Yeah. Every club and and non club because Brody was not that kind of guy. Brody was not going to be the guy that was not going to show up to other types of gigs. Brody. Whether he loved it, he needed it, just like we all do. It's something in us. We want to do it. All those places that got used to and were expecting to see Brody Stevens, like you said, John, standing there, fist bumping, acknowledging a name, first or last, sometimes first and last, sometimes yeah. sometimes just the last name in a city. You know what I mean? Just whatever it is, you're, you're, it's, it's a little bit different than just kind of seeing people just hang out. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all, you know, comics come and go within this scene. Some of them just move on to other things and you don't see them there anymore. Right. But this is this is different. And I and I would agree with you. I, ha- I have noticed online that this that there's a, a larger group of people more so than ever uh, that are struggling with uh, the perspective of what has happened. Because I think Amy Hawthorne said it the best. She said that people she's been hearing people. In conversation, she's in New York, and I mean, Brody affected the entire comedy universe. So mm-hmm. he was out in New York for years. He was in Seattle for years, and and then he came back to L.A. But 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 Amy was like, the more she was talking to people, the more people would would sort of qualify their comments with, "Look, I didn't know Brody as well as everybody else, or other people, or some people, or whatever." But like her to her point was, um, that doesn't matter. Like you're you're still okay to grieve and mourn and and be sad because <clears throat> you might not have known him very well, but he always made it seem like he knew you. And there's just a lot to be said for that in a town where you know some people uh, pretend to not know you, even though they yeah, know they you. Can't, yeah, they can't remember <laughs> your name after meeting him thirty times. You know, you meet Brody once. I met him once outside the stage of the Man Show years ago, and he was like. Hi. And that was like, I asked him, I asked him, I, I thought Brett, Brett Ernst had a joke about getting caught masturbating in the shower by his girlfriend. My girlfriend came in 
caught me masturbating in the shower. She goes, what are you doing? And I said, it's my dick. I'll wash it as fast as I want. And I thought that was Brody's joke. And I went up to Brody and I said, hey, do you have a – and I want to tell him how funny I thought he was. I go, do you have a joke about washing your dick as fast as you want in the shower? And this is – he's sitting around a table of like – I'm sure like at the – it was probably like a Brian Posehn or somebody else was around. Like big bigger comics were around and Brody looked and he goes – and I go, is that your joke? He goes, it is now. (laughs) 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 And I was like – at first I was like embarrassed because like, oh man, I got the comic wrong. But he didn't. There was none of that. He didn't make me feel stupid. He didn't make me – He everyone just kind of got a good laugh and we all laughed and then sort of walked away. But after that, that dude never didn't know who I was, which is like I've, I've run into people at Runyon Canyon who I've worked for for years and they thought I was Brian Posehn. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I've, I've had people think I was Chris Elliott and like but, – but Brody knew who I was and that – I can't – I can't even explain how – how good that felt in a town where again people will not know you even though they know you well uh, and i'm gonna uh i'm there's 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 again uh and you may have touched on this briefly in the uh a previous podcast but um i don't know if it was the day before or two days before he uh passed uh you were fortunate enough at least to experience him one last time and 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 the, the thing that bums me out is that when i saw the lineup, obviously, you know, there's a couple things. It was, you know, it was Dittman's place, so I was like, oh, I want to, you know, and, and you were there and going, and then I was like, oh, Brody's on the show, and I really wanted to go, and I couldn't because I had a previous um, meeting that I couldn't get out of, and I really did want to go, and I, I'm not going to say it's one of my biggest regrets because life is what it is. You know what I mean? You, you got to do what you got to do. But. but at the same time, like, Brody was the guy that you were like, oh, if I don't see him here, I can see him tomorrow. Right, I didn't, in my like, mind, I wasn't, you know, that, that, there, there wasn't that a also. time limit on there, it. There like wasn't that, a time limit. And like you said, he would perform anywhere. Like he, when I did that show, that was at Crawford's on Wednesday, yeah. Crawford's Pass in Burbank. He came from the comedy store. Yeah, he did. He waited like forty minutes to go on at Crawford's, and then he had to <laughs> at the end of his set. He went on for like twenty minutes. He's like, "Well, I got to get out of here. I have another set." He went back to the store to go up again. So, like, if I had two spots at the store that were hours from each other. I wouldn't drive to Burbank to right. go do a spot at a bar. I wouldn't. I, and I, I don't know what that says about me, but I know what it says about him. Yeah. And that's that he, he, I mean, he came out, there were 12 people in that bar and he connected Riverside to the Angels baseball organization <laughs> to all these people that he knew. And I mean, he's talking about different names and people letting their dogs out. Dude, the funniest thing he said, and, and I, I saw him say this on an interview at um, baseball uh, on the MLB network that I saw someone reposted but he's like i went to i went to preschool with kevin millar he had frosted tips at the time (laughs) (laughs) i mean that shit if you know who kevin millar is and like the and when you listen to this show this podcast we're about to play or repost it's like he talks about waving at kevin and then walking straight onto the field this guy went to seven six out of the he went to all seven World Series games in 2016. He went to six out of the seven with no ticket and no credentials, and he got on the field like multiple times. That's how much everyone knew and liked him. Yeah. The do- the door guys at Wrigley were like, "How you doing?" They just let him in. Yep. The guys in in, in Cleveland just let him in. They were like, "Oh yeah, it's Brody." Like it, there was no. I mean that that says something, man. That says something. And when he talks about 
some of my favorite shit is talking about when he started going down to the Rangers organization and they hired him to like roast them in the locker room or whatever in spring training. And I'm like, oh, did everyone love it? He's like, not everyone. <laughs> like, I bet, man, I bet. But I mean, so basically, yeah, we we wanted to repost this um, as a way to celebrate him because this is a guy who we wanted to hear the story because we knew he was at those games. We saw him in the parade. You know, he was on the bus with the trophy, for God's sakes. And we wanted a little bit of that because me and you are both Cubs fans. We both love baseball and we both love Brody and we knew it would be funny. And he was he said he could give us 12 minutes, like a random. No, he's like, I'll give you 12 minutes. And I was like, 12 minutes is great. If you can get your story in in 12 minutes, we'll gladly listen and then talk about it when you're when you hang up. He called in from a Starbucks. The show is two hours long and it's all Brody. There's a guy looking at me. He's walking away now. He's following, like he's walking after people. He's doing all kinds of shit in this show. It's it's really a nice cross section of who this guy was and and what he meant to other people. You, you get that sense. Like there's no way a baseball organization would want you around if you weren't on the team, if you weren't contributing somehow. Do you know what I mean? He contributed to their their well being mentally as as athletes it, it it's it's incredible yeah. this guy he left a hole that he will never understand like it, there are so many people who you know i think back when like phil hartman or chris farley and and those guys left a huge hole in comedy sketch and all that and but there's just something about brody he was like so personable and he, you know, there was something untouchable about those other guys. Like I was never going to meet Phil Hartman. I was never going to be friends with Chris Farley, but like Brody made me feel like I was his friend. And like, you know, we talked at Christmas when we were up at the store about just, you know, all kinds of stuff. He's just a, he's just such a worthwhile guy. This is, it's a really, it's a sad thing, but I'm, I think we should try to, you know, focus on the positive that, that he did do well. He was kind of, you know, with his body. But like I said, man, that guy's energy, there's no way that energy is gone. Like, you know, he's everywhere. I saw a red band posted. He went to the Starbucks for the first time since Brody passed away. He was sitting in his car, the car, the keys were in his lap. Yeah. Car wasn't even on and the hood opened and like something else happened. And like the radio to like some crazy, he was like, dude, I was holding my keys. The car wasn't even on. (laughs) Cause I've never, I don't know what that was, but like, I feel like that guy's energy is just going to be around and, and, and with us forever. If you met him, he's part of you. That's yep. just how it was, you know, and is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, rest in peace, Brody Stevens. And I, I, uh, John and I, um, hope you guys, uh, if you haven't already listened to this one, or even if you did it, it's definitely worth a re-listen anyway, because I it remember is. when we got off <laughs> I remember when we finished it, we both kind of looked at each other like, dude, that was cool. Like, because we weren't expecting it the way it went down. And no. we, we were glad to have him. And we knew he was going to talk about baseball. And we knew he was going to talk about that, you know, the experience. But we realized in that moment, you know, talking about being in the moment, we realized what we just got. Yeah. We were we were kind of handed a gift in the moment. and and we And we understood that. And we were just like... Let's ride this. Let it ride, man. Let's go, go, go. And he gave, gave, gave. And it was like when we were done, and a lot of people always ask us, like, all right, well, how long are we going to do this podcast for? And we and we always have that uh, that mentality of, like, it's kind of, you know, you'll let us know. 
You know, we'll know. Yeah. And that was one of those ones where we were like, this could have, we, we don't care. This can keep going. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, but that was the thing is like he made, and he made us feel like we were getting a, a scoop that like no one else had gotten, even though he, you know, he talked about it all the time. He wasn't like, <laughs> wasn't shy about it. The guy no. yelled his credentials from the stage, yeah. you know? Yeah. But like, he just, he, he, like I said, he gave, he gave us more than we asked for. And that's kind of what he did on stage too. Yeah. He gave he gave more than he ever needed to, and uh, and he's gonna be he's missed. You know, yeah. I mean, it's been hard. I uh, I just you know I, I don't know that I'll be able to even re-listen to this whole episode right away. I, I can only watch him in like quick snippets right now without getting too upset. So, yeah. um, but but again, if you're not familiar, listen to this episode. The guy was he was amazing. It was, um, it was a great episode. Yeah. One of my favorites, not just because it's Brody, but because it deals with the Cubs winning the World Series. And, yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, there it is. Um, thank you again, Brody Stevens, for being a part of our lives. And uh, thanks for at least putting some stuff down on tape and so that we can continue to visit you on uh, in one way, shape, or another. And you're right, John. Um, you've talked about this a lot. Our bodies are just vessels and we become energy and he was all about positive energy. And we, I think both you and I can agree that it is still floating around. It's still floating around. Um, so we don't get him in the vessel anymore, but we'll get him many other ways. So thank you so much, Brody Stevens. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy uh, listening to or re-listening to, um, episode 81 Dash and eight. <laughs> yeah. And, and check him Brody out Stevens. online. If you haven't, he's got, there's some great, amazing Stanhope comedy central re released his half hour. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. It's just online now. Um, which I thought was very cool. And, and, and just, he's, there's a clip of him in his first half hour. He's like, if you don't get my comedy, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just a, he was a force, man. It's just, it's sad, but yeah, but enjoy this episode and, and, and check him out online if you can. All right. So our guest today is, uh, is Brody Stevens. I'm going to, I'm going to call him right now. Hopefully this works. I'm just I'm doing this live. So we'll find out. All right. I think I got it this time. Brody, Brody Stevens, everybody. Hello, Brody. Hello. Brian and Johnny. Yes. How are you, man? How are you? Thanks for being on the show. Um, thank you. I'm doing great. Staying positive. I'm continuing. It yes. just doesn't stop. No. I mean, I'm not always positive and it takes effort, but I know it's a proven formula. I've, I've studied hieroglyphics. As so. we all have, I think. Have you, John? Have you Perfect. studied hieroglyphics? Yeah, okay, sure, 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 sure. Um, Brody, wanted to ask yes, you, sir. wanted to talk to you about, I saw all your videos, Instagram, uh, obviously me and Brian, huge Cubs fans, watched the World Series uh, on the edge of our seats, it was f super exciting, and then I see pictures of you and Sebastian down laughing it up with Mark DeRosa and hanging out for Game 7 and all that. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that experience and what it means to you even to just be there as a Cubs fan, obviously? Well, um, yeah, it was great. Definitely. I've been hanging out with the Cubs for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't really, I'm not really a, a fan. I'm not, I didn't grow up in Chicago. You're a baseball um, fan. Well, I'm a baseball player. I played baseball. You know, I, I am a My fan mistake. of the game of baseball, but I also played, you know, division one Yeah. and Arizona state. And, um, I still throw the ball, you know, so I'm a, I'm a player 
And um, my friend who I grew up with, Mike Rosello, he's been a coach there for five years, and he was with the Dodgers for four years and with the Yankees for 12 years. So I grew up with him, and I'm pretty you know, loyal to him, nice. go where he goes. And then usually, I, because I'm with him, I get the freedom to hang out. Okay, so that so that was my question to you, Brody, because I over the years, obviously, I know that you played baseball. I know you have a huge love for the sport of baseball. Well, I like to pitch. Yeah, I like pitching and and drumming. You like drumming a little bit. And drumming, yeah, I like the feel of hitting. Also, yeah, I do like the feel of it. Go ahead. (laughs) But the uh, um, but that makes sense. So your access to Major League Baseball is through this friend, for the most part. Is that what you're saying? No, that's just that's one reason. You know, it see. When you, when I've done so many shows, you know, audience warmups, I was at best. Day. Well, I could tell you exactly like how all these connections, you know, where they trace back to. Sure. I, mean, I can even do, I could do the same also with, you know, how I got particular movies or a, a part in a, in a TV show where I can tell you kind of where those moments actually happened. Right. So with this, with the Cubs here, yes, the, the coach of the Cubs, the guy who is in charge of the, the catchers, and he's in charge of the strategy, so it's a very high-end position. He is the brain trust. Yes, I grew up with that man, Mike Brazello. And you guys played ball together? Little league. Okay. Um, seniors, that sort of thing. And his, um, you know, I know it's grew up with his father. So it's under his father's tutelage, that mindset growing up here in the San Fernando Valley, Tarzana Little League. And, uh, you know, we are, we are friends, you know, we united through baseball. And I went off to Arizona State. He went off to University of New Mexico and then Cal Lutheran. So we were both playing baseball current, concurrently. And then he, um, you know, in 1993... He went on to become like focused on pro baseball, got signed, but he wasn't all that great, but with the Cardinals and I started doing comedy. So basically for three years, he played minor league baseball in the year before that. He didn't know what he was doing. I remember we, I was out here. I was done with school. He was done with, um, he was done with stuff and he was selling yogurt, you know, out popcorn out in Whittier. He was done with baseball at that point. No, he was done with, yeah, he was done with professional baseball. So he, he played, so this is 1990, I'm getting some of the years mixed up, but it's like 94 to 95. Okay. So he was out here. I was down here and he was selling popcorn for like a year. He was done with baseball. So then Joe Torrey who he grew up with, that's his godfather. He was under, you know, he always knew Joe Torrey. And we learned through Joe Torrey, Joe Torrey baseball camp. We learned the fundamentals of baseball. So then Joe Torrey got the job with the New York Yankees. So he goes down to Tampa for spring training, Joe Torrey and the Yankees. And he says to Brazello, why don't you come down here to Tampa? So now he's going from selling popcorn to going to Tampa. Because Joe Torrey was with the Cardinals. Brazello was with the Cardinals. Okay. Okay. So it right, all right, starts right. with Joe Torre. You know, people don't understand. It starts with Joe Torre. Wow. All right. So Joe Torre goes to the Yankees. 
1996, Yankees win the world championship in 1996. Who's there? Borzello, bullpen catcher. You know, he kept his options open. Joe says, come down to Tampa, see what happens. Borzello's throwing batting practice. They like it. He threw, he caught the bullpens. He did everything. They liked it. And then Joe took him with the team and then they won. Did, did, did you up, hang out fantastic. with him then or no? Were you, did you, were you, did you end up being there for that as well or not at that time? Yes. You were there. That's amazing. Yes. I hung out with the Yankees all fantastic. through those, those championships. Wow. I got, I would go to spring training. I went to all, you know, I had tickets for all the Yankee games, but when I went, when I went out to New York and I knew he was out there, he said, come out to New York. So he's out there in 96. I moved out there in 97 from Seattle. So I had been in Seattle for three years and then I went to New York to, to, to hang out with the Yankees essentially and do stand up in New York city. You got to go to New York. So I hung out with the Yankees. They won. Brazil was a bullpen catcher, but I hung out with the Yankees, learned all about winning baseball in Manhattan, in New York before (laughs) cell phones. We were around that. See, people don't understand these things. You know, it's like Brazil was around before all the social media. So you right. can really focus on being professional. It's like when the Yankees played, they expected to win. It yeah. wasn't a party after every game. It was no. like, yes, we won. Now we come back and win tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, look what they, I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm getting this off my chest. Dude, no, um, love it. We love it. You know, and the Yankees won. They won 114 games that one year. They broke the record. It's like they expected to win. And if you look at the Yankees, he was there for 12 years. They were in, um, Six World Series, yeah. the Yankees were. And they and won four of them, right? They won four, and yeah. they almost won six. I mean, they lost to, uh, the you know, Diamond the Diamondbacks backs. late, and then uh, also to the, the Marlins. But he has four World Series rings. So my friend Brazello, and, and we, we le- he learned about, he already had the winning gene in him because he was always winning in Little League. The, the teams just got it. And then you <laughs> apply smart work and hard work, hard work, smart work and belief and the fundamentals. So I saw the, the, you know, the winning in New York. So then he came out to the Dodgers for four years out with the Dodgers and pushed the Dodgers as much as they could go. So I hung out with the Dodgers for a while. And so then he went to the Cubs. The bottom line is I'm loyal to my friend. That's where it all started. And your friend is, and your friend is clearly a winner. He's clearly a winner. Now, is he getting ring? Did he get rings and all that stuff oh, uh, yeah. for being a part of the team? Yeah. They do that, Dude, right? He they... was wasn't he on stage at the rally? He's in he's in the dugout. Yeah, he's been in the major league dugout for twenty years. This okay. is this is high end stuff, guys. Yeah. This yeah. is not oh you don't get a ring. This is like no, th- yeah. that's my thing. This is this is this is stuff that people don't really know about. No, there's a I think and they did that at the at the Cubs rally. Where they actually, uh, where I think Joe Madden acknowledged all the all the coaches and stuff like that. And yeah. Unless you really Which pay you close to. attention to the inner workings of an organization, a sports organization like baseball, there are a lot of guys that do come into play. Um, and bullpen catchers are are some of the uh, and, and coaches are some of the most important and most crucial guys to sure. a baseball team. Would For you agree sure. with that, Brody? Well, yeah. I mean, you need guys to catch bullpens. Certainly, you know, you find out when you're when you're when you're with the team. How can you impact? How can you? I mean, you can just be a bullpen catcher and go. I'm just catching bullpens. Right. You're just going to. Or sit there you can and do be. It. I'm a bullpen catcher and I'm going to put out energy and pump these guys up. 
Like, and then also I'm going to do the best job I can. And by my hard work, people are going to say, Hey, I want to, I want to throw to that guy because I like his energy. So it all comes back to energy. And I saw it happen. Yeah. When I, so when I would take the energy that I learned from being around the Yankees, I applied it to when I was at best damn sports show, when I moved back here to Los Angeles, I was already doing it back in New York and somewhat in Seattle. I always had that energy, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, validated by the, the Yankees definitely made, I was like, wow, I'm my friend who we, you know, talk to every day, put you know, I help him. He helps me. Then he's with the Yankees and they win. And like at a major league professional Ooh. world stage level. Wow. So it kind of gave me that confidence. So when I came back to work, I got into warm up and back in 2000 and cause I had to come back to Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm always like, you know, I am a comedian. I am a performer. I am me. You got to look out. You have to do you. Yeah. Just, you know, I sound like Russell Simmons, but <laughs> I, I came back and I just applied that grunt, grunt work attitude to the best damn sports show. Now, Brazella was a bullpen catcher for 12 years. I mean, he his responsibilities went up, but he was still doing the grunt work. Same thing with the Dodgers. And I was doing the grunt work and putting out the energy. And I saw the, and, and it was just, it proved to me that, that being into it, being good, caring, you know, being a team player, it helped the shows. It helps. Yeah. So that was what I use that inspiration for. So that, and then basically, um, yeah, he's been with the Cubs for five years and you know, the older you get and I'm older too, I get a little more, uh, well, I get access because I'll throw this in. It's because I played baseball. You know, I'm not a guy hanging out that doesn't know baseball. who doesn't understand, uh, you know, baseball language. I can also play catch. I can throw, I was gonna say, yeah, you, know, you, I, you, I have you go down to spring training and stuff. And do you so, get and, to play catch and stuff like that with yeah, the guys you, and stuff? Do you, they'll, they'll they'll let you do that stuff. Yeah, yeah yes, they yes, do. They will. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, I've suited up uh, a few times for different teams actually. <laughs> yeah, and with the Cubs, you know, it's all about. Oh, they want you to suit up. They want they like having you around. It's just they have to like get the official okay. And Joe Madden, he'll he's okay with everything, but yeah. still. You know, you got to get the uniform, you got to get this. God but damn. I basically had a locker there at spring training. Like, they'll give you, you know, it's like, just keep it there in the coach's God, room. Now, when awesome, now, you man. just that is fucking awesome. Not, not to use the term warm up, but that is that all you really would do is just warm up with them. And then when it was game time, you did you just did you still hang out in the in the dugout and stuff like that? Or are there rules where you can't do that because um, you're not technically well, on the team? Spring training is really, spring training is not a lot of rules. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, this year, you know, I, and I train up for it. I go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to throw a bullpen. That's my goal is to be able to throw a bullpen. Okay. And, uh, so I, I, Fazio, the pitching coach said, yep. Okay. Yeah. We'll get you out there. Let's do it tomorrow. Be here oh, or dude. oh, that's awesome. So, oh, and, uh, yeah, put on my uniform, put on my stuff. I go, uh, through the, I remember this year I threw the bullpen out there. I did well threw the ball. Well, and then they go, do you want to catch the first pitch? over at the stadium. And I said, yeah, I'll catch you. I'll go over there. So I went over to the stadium to catch the first pitch Jesus and I caught the first pitch. And then, um, he said, Joe says, you want to coach first base? Oh <laughs> man. I said, yeah, I'll do it. 
So uh, they gave me the helmet. Brandon Hyde, the first base coach, gave me the helmet. I ran over to a coach first base the first inning. It was against the Dodgers, and, I, and Kershaw was pitching. I, yeah, I think I've seen uh, that picture. It's like you. I can't remember. There's a there's a Schwarber. Runner. Schwarber's on first. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he got a base hit. And no. then Chris Bryant uh, popped out to end the inning, and you know I'm like a first base coach. I run over there, gives me the helmet, gives me the shin guard, and I, I went back in the dugout and. Kyle Schwarber, he got caught stealing. He ran on a, a pitchers in the dirt, and AJ Ellis threw him out. Oh, and, Ellis uh, is good. Yeah, so uh, they gave me a hard. Rick Sutcliffe gave me a hard time. <laughs> out on, you know, Schwarber got thrown out on my watch, and uh, but I got to hang out. Yeah, I mean, they're in the dugout with Billy Williams. Oh my god, Sandberg, and the players too. I, you know, they're coming by, high fives. You know, Arietta was pitching, and uh, you know, but. Again, I look like a player or coach. I'm in yeah. shape. I know how to do it. And, and I don't say the wrong things, hopefully. Now, these so guys. So, let me hang out. So, Brody, so these guys. Now, are most of these guys just knowing you through baseball? Are, are, especially, like, like, just use the Cubs as an example. Or a lot of these guys, have they seen you on TV or seen you in movies? So, they know. They, they, they also know your background. Or they know you more as your friend. Or as, I forget your friend's name. But as more of a um, guy. It's a com- Mike Brazello. It's a combination. Yeah. I think some guys know my face from TV. Some guys um, had seen me do comedy. That's the thing. The last two years, I've done the comedy benefits for the Cubs. Oh, okay. Anthony Rizzo asked me to do it. And that's and that's the other thing. Like, oh, it's not all through my friend. Because, right. I mean, I'll tell you how. I can tell you how um, I got some of these things. And, and that, that help. So... I went to Arizona State, right? Arizona State University Baseball. Yeah. Nice. Every, you know, every January we have the alumni game, you know, the alumni golf tournament baseball game. So I would go back to Tempe, Arizona and uh, play in the golf game maybe or play in the alumni game. But I would do the banquet after the golf game. So I would do, I'd give out the awards. Well, you know, here's the award for the longest, uh, the closest to the pin, the longest uh, tee. Uh, the best scores. And then I would do a little comedy after, you know, walk around and mess with all the old players and just do some comedy for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So anyway, I would do that. Guys would like it. I mean, for the most part, you know, our, <laughs> then our sports information director, the guy who worked for the, for the this Arizona state stun devils, he moved on to get a job with the Texas Rangers. So about three months later, he was with the Texas Rangers. And he said that Buck Showalter wants, wanted to bring in a comedian. This is back like in 2005 or 2006. He says, Buck Showalter wants to bring in a comedian to goof around with the guys. So they ended up, I got a chance to do it. So I went out there to, to Arizona for the Texas Rangers and Buck Showalter. And uh, it was the opening um, meeting for them when they got the... Uh, for spring training, the okay. first meeting. Wow. So they brought me in and he goes, so how do you want to come up? You know, we should like play a prank on them. And I said, why don't, why don't we do it where we say I'm with the world baseball classic. I'm representing them. Cause it was the first year of that. Right. And everybody was negative and didn't Good. like it. Right. <laughs> so this was a major meeting that was only for staff. And, you know, I was hearing all, I was hearing all the pertinent inside information. Wow. So I was there. They trusted me with all that, which was nice, you know, of course. And so 
they say they do, you know, they talk to the media guy, the owner, the general manager, the, the doctors, everybody, like an official thing, players only, staff only. And then they bring me up at the end. They say, okay, from um, New York, from the major league office, uh, Brody, Stephen Brody is going to talk, or Brody Stevens is going to talk to us about um, the World Baseball Classic. And so then I get up there, I go, yep, I'm here from the office in New York. Visiting all the teams here in spring training. Just want to let you know, we got to keep the message positive about the World Baseball Classic. It's not going to go away. So they're going to be asking you questions, and we can't have you be talking down about it. Because it's only going to grow. Rod Barajas, for example, you're Egyptian, right? <laughs> We're growing to Europe. You might have Egyptian blood, and that's going to be an end for you. <laughs> and the Dominican guys, believe me. You're going to get it. What I forget what it was. So I was yeah. doing that. So then I just started working in the room and I go, Phil Nevin, there you are. Phil Nevin. You've got tattoos, sunglasses. You played football and you ride a motorcycle. We get it. You're tough. <laughs> We're trying to win a championship here. I go, I hang out with the Yankees. I win. Look at these pitching mechanics. Yes. So I did about 20 minutes there, that kind of stuff. So they liked it. A lot of guys liked it, right? Oh, I, like, I, I like how you keep saying but a I lot of guys, know. but not everybody, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always not everybody. Yeah, it's you know. subjective. But I never know for my own good, like, oh, what it is. Right. So <laughs> apparently they did like it. The guy said, oh, well, they did like it. And I said, at the end of the show, I said, or after I was going back, I go, you think I can come back tomorrow and suit up and hang out? And they said, yeah. So I went to the Texas Rangers spring training, the first spring training with them. I was out there stretching. I was doing all their... Uh, pitching drills. I think I threw a bullpen. I forget, but I was dressed up as the Texas Rangers. And so I, okay. So I, that was a successful show. And that day I got this and the owner loved me. He wanted me to work in and do all these drills with them. The owner of the Texas Rangers. Right. So all the guys liked me. I, I did. I went over well. I could have ripped some other guys more, but it was good. I was <laughs> looking back on it. They wanted, you know, probably they like more ripping, but I hold back. Yeah. Anyway, they liked it. So I did that. And then the next year, the following year, they they had a, they brought, had a new manager, Ron Washington, and they flew me out to uh, Arlington, Texas, to do their winter meetings. They had their winter meetings. And they brought me just for the Rangers to do their um, meetings, just like lead a segment like about positive energy, something silly like that, just to keep the guys loose. Right. You know, so I did that for the Rangers. So. All right, so I'm doing that. And then one of the players there who saw me was David DeLucci. So he was a, he was a major leaguer. He was on the Rangers at the time. He was on the Indians, the Diamondbacks, the Yankees. So he had a charity back in Baton Rouge. He says, you want to come out and talk to my uh, charity? And we're I'm doing that. I said, yeah. So I went out. He flew me out. To, I went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and did a little baseball charity there. And then from there... The guys from Mariucci. Do you know the Mariucci baseball bats? You see the M? Oh, yeah, Marucci? yeah, yeah. Yes, yep, yep. Okay. So he, Marucci, is based, is friends with Delucci. Marucci, Delucci. <laughs> and they're in Baton Rouge. So at Delucci's, Marucci saw me. So he says, why don't you come down here and we'll do, we have an award show, Marucci Bats. And you come down here, we'll go to the uh, football game. Because he, people don't understand the guy who, who is the owner of Marucci Bats is also the head football trainer for LSU. 
<laughs> the Tigers. Really? So you go down. You, uh, you We did this award show the next day uh, with Gary Sheffield, Ryan Howard, Jose Batista. We Big went boys. to the bat, wow. the bat warehouse, and we saw how they made a bat. I saw all the bats. Then we went to the game to, uh, you know, in the, in the locker room on the field for uh, Alabama versus Louisiana State. So anyway, I did that. So now everybody with Marucci Bats remembers me. So when you ha- then you go hang out with the team. Okay, and with the Cubs, then you get guys come up to you. you go, oh, I remember you from Marucci. Here's the other thing I did. So I did the Marucci. Then the Major League Baseball Players Association. They asked me to do a couple things. Like, can you do our, our, uh, you know, our meeting in Orlando? Me and Matt Bronger actually went out there and did a show. Funny or Die, I think, did the show okay. for the players. It was, so that's where I met a bunch of players, retired and, you know, Verlander, David Ross, oh, you know, God, Eddie Ross. Murray, B- Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, so I met David Ross there, okay? So then... I do, I do the, I do a couple of those benefits. So now they get to know your face. They know you, they see you same thing. I did the baseball all-star game in Anaheim, did a little show there. So it's all like a cumulative effect. And then it ties into like, Oh, I saw you on the hangover. Oh, I see you on Fox sports. Oh, and you do this. Then you have, you know what I'm saying? Like, so then I go with the, I go with the Cubs. It's like, okay, David, um, you know, David Ross knows me because he met me back at the at the Players Association. Oh, John Lackme, Lackey knows me because he was on Best Damn Sports Show, and he was in the audience one night at the Comedy Store. Oh, Ken Ravizi, the head psychologist, mental coach for the Cubs, knows me. Why? Because he was the head guy at Arizona State for that. So it's all connections. And you're so, you know? so kind of do the work, and guys move around to different teams. But yes, to be honest with you, I would say. My my foundation that gives me like maybe the backbone is Borzello, like knowing that he's got my back mm-hmm. for things like and he's a respected coach and a winning coach. Not only has he, you know, hell, he was there for Mariano Rivera when he when he found his cutter. He was there for when Kershaw found the slider. He was there developing these catchers like Russell Martin. And, you know, and uh, Contreras with the Cubs now. Yeah. A.J. Ellis and uh, Wellington Castillo. Some with, of the best catchers the... ever. Exactly. So people yeah. don't people don't see that work that goes in. But so the guy who does that work, the guy who creates the charts for the, the pitchers to follow and look at the success, Jake Arrieta last year. And then you have John Lester and look at Kyle Hendricks. These are all Brazello guys. Yeah. So when you see that and you see success and you see individual success but team success and then city success you you can't but help not believe in it yeah and i i see it through growing up with it so i saw winning and i saw individual success so a couple of things i, I think that you in, in that story that is important to hit on one and i think you would agree with this um it, it is this the type of entertainment that you're asked to do is not like traditional stand-up that you would do at like Largo at, or at the Comedy Store per se. In the fact that it's a lot harder in those in those rooms that you're doing, and the fact that you were able to move around comfortably and be su- successful within that type of like, hey, do my charity event or hey, do this Major League Players Association event. Those are you know comics traditionally say how hard those rooms can be and can be disastrous. They're stressful. I mean, I did Very, a, yes. I did a big baseball scout dinner at Beverly Hills. They are stressful. Yeah. The audiences. Yeah. 
I'm not saying baseball. They like to laugh. Yeah. But they're not the kind of. They're not Friday night at the comedy no. store, ten thirty. Well, they not well. Fr- no, they are Friday night at the. Comedy oh. store. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The baseball guys, you know, they used to say, uh, you know, a clubhouse is an intellectual wasteland. You know, what I mean, these are not like. They need first of all base. They'll laugh at anything. Just yeah. give them goofiness. That's what these baseball guys want. If you do anything too deep or too thoughtful. Right. Most aren't going to get it or they're going to like what's going on. So you have to know the room. And but then again, for me personally, I feel I'm a little different because I'm energy based and I'm so it's so ingrained to me. Those 3000 TV warm ups are really kind of ingrained uh, a groove in my brain. You can work. I can channel into where I get everybody kind of on the same page. But that's also to be you know, it's not like. It's also, uh, you know, other comedians that I started with, you know, I remember starting in Seattle and you, and you remember all those guys who like Tana, my friend Tana, who we don't, you know, we don't talk anymore for whatever reason. That's a whole other story. (laughs) But Tana was very positive and coming from the baseball world, that was, you know, people weren't into that stuff. You got to be a tough guy. F that guy. And that's why that mental stuff didn't come around until later. You have to be kind of open-minded and to be to let your mind open up so you you can't be you can't be like a hater you right. got you can't and when i went to seattle i, I so what, basically getting away from the jock mentality more i felt more supportive you know the jock mentality is great you know they are they are they're there for you but to be out of that world was refreshing for me. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely a totally, class. it's totally different world. Yeah, there's no it's doubt about it. It's a different world, yeah. but I also feel that I'm able to go bounce back and forth between them. Oh, yeah. I'll do my comedy at Laura Go or the take pieces, a little bit of my baseball, the comedy, take a little bit of my comedy, put it into baseball. But no. I'm, you know, at, at the heart, I am a baseball. I'm a pitcher. And do you think that that because of that 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 part of you that never really left baseball, do you feel that um, that along with the fact that you know you're really taking us on a very long journey of how long you've been around baseball and been around the players and the organizations, that they've kind of also leading up to us talking to you about being a part of the whole Cubs thing and the histor- historical part of what they did. Do you feel like they've welcomed you into their fraternity per se, so you can just kind of wander freely? They're like, "Yeah, Brody, he's just he's part of us. He's part of our our baseball world." Um, you know, there's a little bit of that, yeah, some somewhat, but not again. I don't get paid by the Cubs. No, yeah. I have to. I have to. Re- I mean, I have to rely on. I mean, once you put a uniform on, then you can relax. You know what I mean? You're oh, you got the uniform, then you do whatever you want. Right. But when you don't have the uniform, you don't. You just wait for the okay. Okay. Once you have the uniform, okay, you're in. You're a player. When you don't, I mean, I'm I'm kind of me personally. I still feel comfortable, but I'm not just walking around all over the place. You're, not, you're trying now, to not be annoying, now, if you will, right? Then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Which which I'm sure everyone appreciates, and that's why you're still able to hang around most places. I stay out of the way. Exactly. I don't. I, don't, I rarely ask for anything to get signed. I don't push that. Right. I, of course, you want to get things signed. It's cool. Those little those little extra things, but the, that's not what drives me. What no. drives me is yeah, knowing the guys go. Oh, there's Brody. He picks me up. Not like 
Yeah. Oh, there's Brody. He's going to ask for a ball. Right, or, <laughs> right, right. They, there's Brody. Now, that, that all be, that all being said, how when you got the okay to actually get on one of the buses for the Cubs parade, how excited were you? Um, very excited. Yes, very excited. And as the seventh know, largest gathering of, of human beings in, in history, <laughs> I know it's pretty cool. Right, five million people. It was. I've never. I mean, to be on that, you can see on some of my videos, I think they really do give it, they do give it justice. Yeah, yeah. And you could see the sea of people. And not only was it a sea of people, these are streets like you would normally walk down and like, wow. You know, Lake Michigan, you know, Michigan Avenue, just jam-packed. I mean, for blocks of sea of people, and they're all happy. I was going to say... the, the Cubs didn't have, there was, I heard no, of no rioting of any kind uh, during Nothing. the parade, during the victory, uh, during any of it. It was just one of the, and not even in Cleveland either. It was like one of those perfect World Series. It went seven games, extra innings, a rain delay. It was dramatic. It got tied up. It was a perfect baseball game, and it just happened to go the Cubs' way, and it was awesome. And I, I just to even be able to watch it on TV, I felt, I was such a part of it that it was, uh, you know, it, very moving. <laughs> and, Brody, t- two questions. One, were you in Cleveland for Game 7? And then, two, yeah. when you went back to Chicago, when, at what point did you find out that you were even able to be a part of the parade? Like, I'm, I'm assuming that wasn't, like, part of the you, – you didn't go, oh, yeah, most likely I'll probably be a part of that, right? I mean, it, it had to come up in conversation. Um. Well, after the Cubs – so I flew out to Chicago. I was given the okay, Brody, come out here. Need your energy. On so I got there for game three. Okay. I did I got there the day of game three. Did not go to game three. You know, that's a big one. The first game. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy history. Yeah. That was, right there. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't go to game three. Um, but I knew I'd go to one of there was gonna be you know, two, maybe what, two or three games. So I was saying, I'm just going to be open-minded, see what my friend gets me. See what he asked, Brazello asked me to come out there. So I figure he was somehow going to get me some kind of ticket. Now players don't get free tickets. They, they have to pay, right? They pay face value and, or they get taxed on it. So it's not like, and they, and they only get a certain amount. So I'm, I'm not family and I, uh, you know, again, I don't ask for stuff, but Brazello said, come out. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go out there and leave myself open to what can happen. At least I want to be in the city while everything's going on. Yeah. Be kind of cool at the very least. So I get there and watch the game. They lose. And then he goes, okay, I can get you a ticket for uh, game four. I said, okay, I'll be there. So game four, I get the ticket. And, uh, I get it at the gate and I go in there and I don't have a, normally when I go with the Cubs regular season, it's all done through the Cubs. You have a pass through the Cubs playoffs is all major league baseball. So the Cubs are not in charge of any kind of passes and the passes for the playoffs are, you got to have your photo on. It's like a whole security deal. Yeah. So I'm coming in there as a just a fan with a ticket, maybe in the family section. So I'm there. It comes to what it is. So game, they're down 
what is it now? Two games to one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause game three now game four. Yeah. So I get there for game four. Yeah. Game three. I didn't see game four. I go to, so I get my ticket and I'm in the crowd. It's like, okay, this is a world series. Cool. A lot of people. I wish I, I see everybody down on the field. Like all the media is a you know, huge media scrum, but I'm up in the stands and I walk around. This is at Wrigley. I walk around and I, I, I see like the MLB baseball guys. I see, you know, with all the, like some guys I may know just want to get down by the action. So the, but the ushers are blocking the aisle right. the further down you go. It's harder. They were it letting is. people walk down. Sure. So I walked down by the Cubs bullpen. Almost. I was able to get right down there and I see Kevin Millar who is a MLB mm-hmm. TV. I love Kevin. Guy. Millar. I love Kevin. Kevin Millar. Millar. Yeah, exactly. Now Kevin Millar. He's awesome. Kevin Millar. I went to preschool with. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys don't understand all the connections. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful, So I went man. to preschool with Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar also got his big start in TV pretty much on the best damn sports show right. where I work. Uh, yeah. So you see that connection? Millar, uh, Brody, Tarzana, Pinecrest. So I have that connection <laughs> with Millar. Now I go down by the field. I'm right there at the gate. And I knew the usher. He knew me. Reckon I, I met him a couple times. So Millar sees me and go, Kevin, I'm on the, I'm over here. I'm just a regular guy. So he walks over. <laughs> he was talking to Sebastian and Mark DeRosa. Yes. I saw, he, a picture I saw him of talking that. to Sebastian. So I go, Oh, I should be in there. Yeah. You know, I'm friends with everybody. So Millar comes over. He goes, he's with me. And he showed, you know, he had the heavy duty pass. He goes, I had access for everything. He's with me. So then Kevin Millar brings me in just over the fence on the, you know, on the field by the, the, by the uh, Cubs bullpen. Jesus. And I'm talking to Millar, talking to all the MLB guys, and then the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manford, he's right there like talking to me. Yeah, He's a nice guy. Yeah. So once I was in with Millar, and then here's the other thing, because I've been on MLB Network, you know, yep. uh, they knew my face. All the, all the talent guys knew me. And then Chris Rose. So I was like in a place where everybody knew me. But I didn't have a pass, and it wasn't – Nothing of that was planned out. That was all on me walking, seeing, going down there, having Malar say, you're in with me. So that all that right there. And then I got to take a photo with the uh, with the logo on the field because Nick, the head security, one of the heads, one of the security guys, he knows me and he always takes care of me. He says, yeah, wait, wait in a minute. They'll take the tarp off. So he's letting me do these photos and he's like a top security guy. Which was kind of cool, like you know, because security could easily go, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, right. You have no pass. Here. Right. But since he knows me, God damn, that security guy's taking pictures for me. <laughs> That's how friendly Chicago is. You know, they get friendly it. Oh, confines. Brody's here. So I got, I got, you know, some pretty cool photos before the game. So then I went up, I watched the game, and uh, the Cubs lost. So now they're yeah. down three games to one. Yeah, that was that was hard. That was real okay. hard. Very hard. It's looking bad. So still maintaining hope, though. I was, I was, I believe they could win one more game. But least. what was it like there with those guys and being around? Depressing. That? It was okay. depressing. People were down. Um, the city because they they wanted to. They, the fans wanted to party. They wanted to. They wanted to win. They wanted to you know tie this thing up and yeah. let's party tonight and then get it tomorrow and then win one in Cleveland. That's yeah. kind of what the mindset was, but. They were down in the streets. The cops were all out there, like to make sure everything was, you know, because if they won, everyone was going to be wild. So all these cops were out there. 
and the, they lost. Everyone was depressed. Um, I don't know if I'm going to game five. I got my game four. I was happy. If yeah. I got one game out of this to see a World Series at Wrigley Field, yeah, that's I'm, the fucking history. I'm fine with it. God. And so I had that opportunity. <clears throat> so the next day I'm thinking, all right, maybe I'll get a call for a ticket. Maybe I won't. And then one of my friends there who goes to all the games who had a ticket, he said, are you coming to the game? I go, I'm not sure yet. He says, well, come up anyway. I think I can get you in. So I headed up to the stadium without a ticket for game five. I already got my game four in. I got on the field. I'll watch the game on TV, see what happens, fly back on Friday. So I get to the game and I see my buddy there and he says, I'll, I'm going to try and get you in. And basically I did get into the bleachers and I, I don't want to get into specifics how I got in, but <laughs> right, there were in. moments, there were a couple moments of me not being able to get in. And I was, it wasn't something that caught me off guard because the situation was supposed to be smooth and it wasn't smooth. Right. But because I stayed positive, I believe, and I was putting off good energy, I still got in. Yeah. So I'll put it to you that way. I got into the bleachers probably I got in on my own will. I got in on positive energy. I did not get in on a ticket handed to me, go in, you're set. This, there's a little more, um, energy. I I like, I had to play it cool and I wasn't expected. It caught me off guard. So I I couldn't panic. I I mean, I, I I had to like stay focused and it wasn't something I expected. I was, they weren't going to go like, okay, you're going to go here. This is going to happen. They're going to say this to you, say this. This was uncharted waters I was right. going into. And I, I stayed because I'm prepared, because I'm a good guy, because I put out the positive energy. I was able, I think, to get through. So I got through. And then it was, uh, you know, game five. I'm there. They win. They win. People yeah, are they like win. relieved. Oh, my God. People that relieved. was such a great game. to yeah. dance in the street a little bit. You know, it was like, I was glad, I was happy to be there for that. Now, are you actually, um, other than going to the game, are you basically just chilling out, kind of wandering around? Are you hanging out with your friend at all? Is he too busy? And you're just kind of seeing him for like a couple seconds every time you're there, basically. Exactly. Too busy. I don't bug the guys during the playoffs. And so, and then from there, did you decide to go to Cleveland right away or did you not go to Cleveland? Well, here's the deal. So game, they won game five. People are dancing in the streets. They're like feeling relieved. We want, at least we won one. Yes. Let's go to Cleveland and see what happens. See what happens. So I'm just thinking, you know, telling the guys win game six and you know, it's a reset. You just got to win one. Yeah. You don't even think about, you just win one and it's a reset button. That's all. You don't think about winning two. You really just have to win one. And then it resets. That's what I was thinking. And I talked to my friend, I go, we should go to, we should drive to Cleveland. Like I was saying, I should drive to Cleveland. And I was saying that I thought about it, that I wasn't sure. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm a ticket. I don't know what the deal is. Right. You know, I, I don't know, but I was just saying that. And then that night, so I go, I go back, I go back home. Which you went I back, go to, back LA. to the hotel. I oh, go back oh, to the okay, hotel okay. And then in Chicago. And then my friend Brazello says, are you going to go to Cleveland? Be like with a question mark. You're gonna go to Cleveland. 
I don't think he said you should go. He said, are you going to go? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I can. <laughs> Basically, I said something like that. I can or I will. And so then I write into that way. I had a, my, I had to, uh, you know, my flight was for Friday. And the, cle- and the, you know, there's just no, there's no guarantees on anything. Well, you know? no, yes, yeah, that's the thing is you have nothing set up there unless you know people in Cleveland. Where are you staying? What are you doing? You know what I mean? That whole thing. None of that. I had no ticket no place to stay i had um you know there was no uh it was just like leaving myself open to possibilities right and it was hard actually booking the hotels you know you get the hotels like i got a rate for five days but going to cleveland i had to like eat that the fifth day you know i didn't get because i left right so I, i rented a car which i didn't expect so i rented a car found that like when they said you're going to come i go yeah so i rented a car i found a hotel like the night before i did this all like the day, the day before or night before and then he said i can get you know get you a ticket so i'm just thinking game six i'll get a ticket and see i don't know about game seven i may not get that's a crazy game but because my brazello he's like you know I, I leave him alone and he does his own thing so sometimes you got to go like not knowing. Right, you got to right. be open to like last minute changes. So, so now I got the rental car, and I I I got a hotel near the Cleveland near the near the airport, okay, uh, in Cleveland. So it's like you know twenty minutes away, yeah, thirty minutes away. So I go get the uh, so I got the hotel. No, I'm going to game six, got the rental car. So I drive to Cleveland and then halfway to Cleveland, I get a call from Priceline and they tell me that my hotel room that I, that I got is uh, overbooked because of construction. So they go, you can't stay there. And we have to, I'm driving now, you know, and I got (laughs) limited time. I have no time to like pull over and I got this blue tooth in. Somehow I figured it out. He can hear me. And, you know, as perception can go, I can, things can go wrong on this Bluetooth. So he's staying with me. I'm staying with him. And he says, we can, you know, we're going to, we'll look for a, uh, you know, a similar room. And he says, any preference where you want to stay? So he's like starting to search over. I go, is there anything downtown? <laughs> that's what I said. Cause Bold that's what I wanted to Bold say. Question. The rates were all like, <clears throat> you know, expensive, 400 yeah. bucks, 500 oh, bucks. Easily. Yeah. So, but he says, Okay, I'll look. One bedroom. He says, I found something in the Hilton. Uh, it's, it's four stars. He was basically saying, it's nicer. Take it. This is a nicer hotel. Because I was asking him, is it okay? And I was like being nice. And he goes, yes. And let me double check and see if it's available. So he checked again. It is available. And then he said, because you're being such a patient with us and a nice guy, Priceline, we're going to pay for your hotel. Come Get on. the fuck out Come of on. here. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. So he pays for the hotel. Dude, I'm I telling didn't, you this whole... Maybe because I was being a nice guy, staying calm. Series staying, of destiny. You know, focused. And so it's the Hilton right there down... He's at downtown Cleveland. I know it's not that big downtown, so I knew it was like, fine. So this is right there. So he paid for it. So now I'm driving straight into the to the hotel as opposed to the hotel by the airport and then Uber in or, right. or something like that. You'll be able to walk like to the stadium pretty much. And, and absorb so the I energy of what's going on out there too. You just, you can wander around, right? Like you can freely experience it. 
Well, yeah, I get there. I get to the hotel now. I take a quick nap, shower, and I walk to the stadium. And it's, yes, it's Cub, all like Cubs hat on? Indians. It's all Indian fans. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of Cub fans, don't get me wrong, but it's the Indians party. Right. Did you have a Cubs hat on? Mm, you were wearing that America hat, right? I wore an America hat. I may have worn the Cubs hat once. I'm okay. not sure. You know, you didn't feel bad. I didn't feel dangerous. Like no, there, right, there right. plenty of Cub fans. Yeah. But it's definitely more Indian fans. Yeah. So walking through there, like, you could, the flats down there, we have all the, the hangouts, and it was packed. But I kind of avoided it and went to the stadium and uh, just walked around and soaked it all in. People were happy. It was exciting. And I was just, you know, again, I, I just want to get my hands on my ticket. I, I can't <laughs> relax and go yeah. physically holding a ticket. Yeah. You know? right. So I get my ticket and then I can relax. And then um, I go into the stadium and uh, for game six and I soak it all in. And then I go to the bullpen and watch, watch the guys warm up. I make eye contact with all the, you know, the, the catcher, sometimes the pitchers, Borzello. It's like, they like having me down there. Here's Brody. Yes. Come down to the bullpen. So I did that for, uh, you know, game six, they win game six. Yeah, they did. How I, I forget, you know, it's a blowout. They win yeah. game six. So then I go back after game six, I go back to the hotel. Do you even, did you get the hotel for multiple nights or was it one, one night at a time? One night. I got it for one night. So when I checked in, I took a shower and then went to the stadium. So this is game six. So I, I had to get a hotel. Okay. So I got the hotel. Maybe that day. So, no, I had the one night. So I get there for game six, shower, go to the game. Game ends. I go back to the I go back to the, the West End where everyone's hanging out. Right. I go back to the team hotel, which is like a block from the Hilton. Hang out there, see Brazello, see all the guys. And then Brazello says, yeah, I got you for game seven. <sighs> you're in. So now I know that I'm in for seven. He told me right there, you're in. They were all excited. The players see me, David Ross. Yes, yes. He likes the energy. <laughs> see the guys. And then, so I'm there to like 2.30 in the morning. People just hanging out, talking to Trevor Cahill. And, you know, they're just talking inside baseball stuff. This is where I pick up all my, you know, my baseball information, these conversations between the players. And you listen and you start to understand all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about. So it's kind of cool, you know, having that kind of stuff, being around it. So then I go back to the hotel. I, I um, And I think that when I, went, when I went back, I looked for my hotel the next day. So I did find a hotel. Still downtown? Or did you no, have to go a little farther this away? this one was back out by the airport, uh, okay. near the airport, a red roof in. So I got the hotel. So I knew after game seven, I had a place to go. It wasn't like, where am I going to go? So I go, we got game seven. I've got my hotel ready out in um, Westlake, which is like 50. I, and I looked on Google Maps, like 15 minutes away. It's not that far. And so I get up that morning, morning of game seven. Because I'm downtown, I go, I'm going to walk to Starbucks at the hotel. I know that the player's hotel up the street, they have a Starbucks. So I'm going to go get a Starbucks and maybe I'll run into the players. I don't know. So I go there like at 11. 
I go in the hotel. Who's there? There's Brazello. <laughs> There's Kyle Schwarber. Oh my God. There's Jake Arietta. There's Grimm. There's Madden. And before I walked in, I see, you know, I see the owner, uh, Tom Ricketts, out on the street. He gives me a hug. So you feeling? I go, yeah. So, and then the head guy who runs all the purse strings, uh, Crane Casey. So, uh, you, you know, you, they see your face. You know, part of it is like investing your time, letting them see your face. So Tom Ricketts sees me all over the place. Oh, I see him here. I see Brody there. I see Brody there. Then you're like, you're in with that. Yep. So then I see him, give him a hug. He gives me a hug. Then I go into Starbucks and I'm talking to Arietta. He's all excited that he won last night. And then he says to me, he says, yeah, I saw you down in the bullpen. He like, it's funny. Like he saw me as he's <laughs> getting ready for game six. So I talked to him and I talked to Joe Madden. It was nice. And then, uh, so then I go back to, uh, you know, get my car out of the rent, out of the uh, valet at my hotel. Then I drive out 15 minutes to my red roof Inn. And I check in there, and there's Cub fans there. It's like a lot of Cub fans are coming in from Chicago for Game Seven, right? Because it sounded yeah, like it, it, it like on TV. It's coming. so so on TV. It sounded like it was fifty percent Cubs fans in that Game Seven. Is that what it sounded like in, in reality too? Like 60%, 60-40. Six, I'd say sixty per, sixty Indians, forty Cubs. Okay, because they, they were loud. Those that forty percent was loud. When, when it, they it were sounded, loud, they were loud. That's crazy. They were loud. So. They, um, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. So I, so now here's the deal. So now, <sighs> keep walking here. So I'm walking on the street. So yeah. now I, I go, I draw. Okay. So now I'm in the, at the hotel, a red roof in, I shower, I go, I do a periscope and I just, and, and I say, I'm going to wear my Jersey because I got a Jersey for doing comedy. They gave me a, a Brody Stevens real Cubs jersey. Oh, nice. And I go, I'm going to wear this tonight, Fuck number 44. Yes. So I find, I put it on. You know, my Periscope fans told me to do it. So now I'm wearing the Brody jersey, Stevens, Brody Stevens, 44. I'm there with the team. And uh, go to the bullpen, do all the things, the eye contact, what, being a part of it. And... I mean, you saw the game going to another time. It was crazy. The game. greatest game seven in base. I mean, what other game sevens have been that good? Like, I, I it was none. It was in. It was. It was the greatest baseball game I've ever watched. Yeah, and I was there, and it was like I. I went up to my regular seats. I was like up higher for this one. I was uh-huh. in the upper family section, but and I'm there and. You know, you get regular people in there also. And I, I just, after an inning or two, it's like, I didn't want to be in there. People high-fiving each other. It's like, I needed my own space. Yeah. So I kind of wander around. I can't sit still. I pace. Yeah. And I also, like I said, just didn't want to be around high-fiving strangers. I wasn't, I, I didn't want them to affect my energy at all. Yeah. So, and plus I wanted to go out the bullpen and, and peek. And, you know, game seven, I got to be out the bullpen checking, you know, get my last looks in with the yeah, guy whatever you've been doing keep doing it don't <laughs> stop now jesus <laughs> exactly so i kept, i'd go to the bullpen i talk to the guys and i'd walk around and i and i then i'd uh you know see people cub fans are up they're down indian fans up down and then i mean when they hit that home run that Dude. uh that that's rajay davis i've never been around that kind of noise the explosion it was almost violent Wow. The explosive noise coming from the Indian fans. They were like falling over each other on the ground. The ushers, the, I mean, it was 
it was almost scary. Wow. That's how much of a burst they let out. It was insane. Wow. And I, that, that was a point of go, it ain't looking good. Like right there, it was yeah, bad. Yeah, you could, you could feel that through the TV. It was like, it was the, it was the maddest I'd been the whole series that the Chapman was in, that he gave up that home run. I was just angry. Oh, I was so mad. You're thinking like, what's he doing? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. In my head, I'm yelling, I'm yelling. I cannot be a smarter baseball manager than than Joe Matt. That's not possible. Like (laughs) I can't be right about this. That's just not possible. (laughs) And I was so, I felt like I was totally right. It was really bizarre. When when you saw the moves happening, people were getting nervous. Oh, dude. Because again, you hear conversations, you know stuff. It's like, I don't like it. Yeah. So that home run happened. And then, also when the Cubs didn't score in the ninth inning, that was another time they go, oh, they're going to score. You yeah. just felt like the Indians were going to score. Yeah. And then they, uh, you know, they didn't score and then the Cubs did. And it was, it was surreal. It was crazy. Now looking back on it, here's a couple things, a couple things. I, I didn't, I didn't come to party. I didn't, I didn't come to Chicago to hang out with the celebrities right. and party, right? Even party with the players and get the the best selfie moment ever. You know, it wasn't my goal. My goal was for the Cubs to do everything I could do to help the Cubs win. Me taking a great selfie with somebody is not helping them. No, me going out and partying with guys like celebrities after celebrating. I'm talking about before they won celebrating what? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what people, I I was like, we should not be jumping up and down until the end of game seven. Right. I mean, it's good to be excited. That's what sports is there for. People are partying. They wanted to party after game five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guys are part like, like, look, I'm not knocking Bill Murray. Of course, Bill Murray's a super fan. Bill Murray is like a higher level. He's like number yeah. one. Yes. He's a fan. And then he's also like a part of the team. Right. Then you've got, you know, then you've got Eddie Vedder, who's like right there with him. Yeah. Lead singer of Pearl Jam. He's not, a, he's not around as long as, as Bill Murray, but, but the same kind of thing. Yeah. Those guys don't work out with the team. They don't throw the bullpens. They're not going on the road to Oakland. They're not going to spring training road trips. So it's a different kind of my, I'm just saying that Yeah, I have a different role as much as I would, that's fun. And you'd like to be like Bill Murray or Too Eddie Vedder. Fucking right, I, <laughs> I know that the players probably appreciate me a little more. They, I they do benefit, a little more. They benefit is what from I'm you. getting at. They benefit from you. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. get excited. It's cool for Bill Murray. Right, right, right. I'm not but, uh, knocking them. No, not no. Not in any way. I'm just saying, like, I couldn't party like that. I wasn't allowed to. Players weren't there. So as long as the players, you know, weren't partying after game five, I wasn't going to do it. Right. Now, I know Theo and all those guys were there. There were players. with, But that wasn't, you know, that's not my role. Your role is you know, coffee. And, You're coffee in the morning guy. Your eye contact copy in the morning, is. guys. Spring training and regular season. <laughs> right. If they need they need a, a late season positive push, which is what they did need apparently. And the, if they need a playoff positive push, and apparently they needed that. Yes, they did. I was there because I didn't go to the games at Dodger Stadium. I left them alone. I didn't go to San Francisco. I'm not asking for tickets. 
I'm not saying can I hang out, but I left my calendar open. Yeah. Knowing if there's a chance, I'll jump on it. Yeah. You've got you've got Brody. Is it ex- not- Hey Brody, is it extra special in any way shape or form because like let's use um David Ross as an example. When he when he hits that home run, does it do you feel like something extra special because it's somebody you also know? When that when something like that happens, of course, or, okay, of course, knowing that David Ross knows me, knowing that David Ross is channeled into kind of you know yes pushing you know that sort of stuff, yeah, and then to know that when I did my comedy show at the Improv back in August, David Ross came to the show, you know, little things like that, like oh he came out to my show, and then I see him and he quotes me, yes, you got it, you know, so you do feel good about something like that quick real quick about david ross do you th- don't you think he should immediately be hired by the cubs as like a coach like a like a bullpen guy or a bullpen catcher or a catcher's coach or something that should he should just still be around that team all the time um you know it's up to him i don't know uh I just i'm not 100 like he- sure he's retiring but i think he is oh and uh i don't know i think it's probably too soon i think he just wants to hang out with his family yeah but he'll always have, you know, he's he's a Cub legend. Oh, you know, they, anybody on this team, anybody that had anything to do with this World Series, including yourself, is forever going to be remembered by the Chicago fan base for sure. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think I added to? The, I impacted the team. I absolutely do, Brody. I think that what you, your whole connection with them, and your general attitude, and your knowledge of the game, and the fact that you're not a hanger on. And you're not a guy who's there for a promotional selfie or to gain more Twitter followers or whatever. You're there because your your friend, this kid you grew up with, is now his job is with that team. And like you said, he's a winner. He's been around it his whole life. You've been around him. I think that just perpetu- winning perpetuates winning. I think um, positive attitudes perpetuate positive attitudes. I think you know that's I mean, and that's one reason why I share this on social media. It's not to gloat. It's no, not to it's, brag. It's it's to show. I mean, even throughout the, you know, throughout the season, it's just to show, like, hey, being positive, and having certain, you know, work ethic and a backbone. That that kind of it 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 can pay off. Yeah, and I'm yeah. also saying like baseball. I try to share because I do. I work in show business. I mean, I used to. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, show people like, this is what I tried to bring to TV shows. My personality here, it's embraced in baseball and it's winning and look how happy people are, but I can't get any kind of job on a TV show, you know, because I'm too volatile. I'm too loud. People just don't get me, you know? So it's like, that's why it's validating to me for everybody who is because I'm just doing the same thing I do with the Cubs that I do with. And, and I and I'm not I know how to adjust. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is for me as a performer, it's like I'm getting laughs on stage. At the end of the day, I say I'm a baseball guy. I'm a pitcher of my heart, but I'm also a stand up comedian. Yep. So as long as I can get on stage, you know, things have changed now. It's like an election day. I don't know what this is going to air, but, uh, you know, I can't get a feel completely for the uh a temperature for the society yet no, so i haven't been on too, stage too fresh right yeah. too fresh <laughs> too fresh but i would always say you know let my comedy be kind of a uh 
a barometer for things like I'm getting laughs. I'm not up there spouting out. I'm getting laughs off positive messages. Yeah, that's a good and, thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> a very good thing yeah. right now yeah. more than ever. And I, I'm showing people like the reason, look, look, I was positive. I'm not negative. I don't fo- the things that I used in baseball to be successful, to take baseball as far as I could go to take things as far as I can go. I'm, I'm just sharing them with people and yeah. the negative vibe that a lot of people have that that's not around winning cultures. No. I'm trying to tell people that when you go, F this guy or F her, F that, or this is the worst, or this is like death. These extreme words, I'm going, those words don't inspire people. They actually bring people down, and you don't get a good result out of it. No, and you know what? John brought up something really important early on, I think, before you called, about one of the cool things about the World Series, which was a great relief in an election year anyway, was the fact that you had... There, there was no bad guy in the World Series. Does that make sense? Like, there was no Joaquin Andahar where you had to hate him, and, he, and the enemy must must lose today. There were two teams that were, were fun to From watch. great sports The cities. Indians were having fun. The Cubs later had fun. I think they were, a little bit, they were a little bit nervous early on. But it was like, it wasn't about that. It was about, you know, really just two high-energy, positive teams going at it and really appreciating the moment they were in. And that was what made it even more exciting and, and appreciated even more. And the Indians aren't because you, you 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 bring in, that's where you look at the Theo Epsteins, you look at the uh, the managers, uh, Terry Francona, yes. Joe Madden, yes. and the guys who run the Indians, you bring in you know, the right kind of people, too. You, you, you character guys. Starts at the you, top. You, you look them in their eye. And you want to be a part of this organization because when you're with the Cubs, you're, you're, especially now you're embraced by the city. You're out in the organization. You're out there. You're not living out in the suburbs. They're on you and you're involved in the community. And that's why, you know, it's important that you, you be, you know, personality matters. You can't really bring these guys in or like really, Negative types. Yeah, it can it can it's it can be poisonous. So you did you so after the game after the Cubs won the World Series, did you just hightail it back to the Red Roof Inn for the night, or did you actually well, stick around experience it? Like how did how did you end up? I guess here's my question. So, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you talk. Is how did it? How did from your experience from Game Seven, the end of Game Seven, to all of a sudden ending up on a bus, uh, driving through and see a sea well, of five million of people? Sudden, see, Brian, it's not all of a sudden. All right. <laughs> That's my point. All These right, here we go. All it's, of a sudden. It's, it's never all of a sudden. Over years. These things, there's foundations. So Gary from Priceline calls you. Like, right. He calls you back. So here's the deal, how I knew. This is when I found out about parade possibilities. Um, so game, before game six. So game five happened. They won. Now they're flying to, they're flying to Cleveland. Right on yeah. for game six. They had a day off. We're flying to Cleveland. I get a I get a text from Peter Chase, who's the Cubs media guy. He's the one who kind of he's a point person for me. He handles all of the media. He's a very he work, he's a high end great worker, good guy. Mm-hmm. So he texts me and goes, "Where are you?" I go, oh, "I'm down at Starbucks downtown." He says. <laughs> I'm at Murphy's. Come up here. Murphy's is the bar right outside right. Uh, 
you know, the bleachers, Murphy's bleachers. Yeah. yeah. So I go, I'll take the, I'll take the train up. And he goes, then he's just like, hurry up, like get up here. <laughs> so then I, I look, I go, you know what? Uber's quicker. So I get our cab, took the cab, took Uber, get there. Peter's a little, he's there. He was one of the guys who was celebrating. So there were people, non-players, non-coaches, staff guys who were celebrating the game five victory. They, right. you know, they wanted to go back to Cleveland, like least let's win a game. Here. Yeah. So they were in, in that mode. I wasn't. Remember, after the game, they won. I walked back with, a, I, I ran into a, a coaching, uh, one of the video guys, and I walked back with him. And we were talking about, you know, maybe I should go to Chicago. I think I can probably get, if you get to Chicago, I mean, Cleveland, if you get to Cleveland, I think I can get you a ticket, but just come out there. So he kind of like encouraged me to go. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. So that, so the next day, so they're flying to Cleveland. I get, uh, Peter says, come up here. So I come up, Peter's drunk, He's drunk. He's celebrating. And they got to go, I got to go on a plane to go. I got to do a press report. You know, they're just having a, Peter's he's an amazing talent. Mm-hmm. So he says, we're going to go to Cleveland. We're going to win game six. We're going to win game seven. And you're going to be on the parade. You go, what? <laughs> he says, you'll be on the float. Of course. So right there, he told me I'd be on the float. So he did say that. I So I knew at that point, if the Cubs win, I'm going to be in the world series parade. That's awesome. So I was told that right there. Again, no guarantees. Right, Nothing's right. guaranteed. Especially when he's all hammered and you, don't, you have no idea. <laughs> and there's still you two games to be played. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. That's the beauty but of baseball. But he said, so I took that, put that in my back pocket, said, I'm going to get to Cleveland. I'm going to get to Cleveland, see what happens, and push it through. I've been asked to go. I can go. I am going to go. And I went. So game so I, so. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I do the six and seven. Game seven ends. Now, I'm not in. I was sitting upstairs, like in a higher end, you know, extended family section. Okay. So the players where they were like the, the wives and the close family, they were down in the good seats behind, you know, the dugout where I sat the night before. Right. Nice. So I'm walking around the stadium and I'm thinking like, okay, maybe if I get into the family section, that last inning, I can walk down with the team, like the, the go down with the family. I used to do that with the, with the Yankees. I okay. used to go where the families would go Okay, and I'd be in the hallway or this and that, you know, they all, all they all knew me. The Cubs haven't really done a lot of the family traveling stuff, even though I know James, the security guy. But they were all people were getting wristbands. I wasn't in that section. So, and then I got I got a, a text from Brazello's sister. I don't know if it was his sister or his wife. Something about hey, come down to the family section one fifty one. So I saw something like come down to the family section, and I went down there. But there's too much security going on. Right. And I was saying, you know what? Let me focus on the game. I don't trust anything. Yeah. I just got to focus on this game. It's in, I, 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 I can't shift my energy. Me, Brody. I'm not Eddie Vedder. I'm not Bill Murray. I have to stay focused on a certain thing. So, and I couldn't find the text or the email. I thought I saw it. 
So I didn't go in that section. Cubs win. Everybody goes nuts. I, I just kind of take a step back and soak it all in. So knowing, knowing that they won all that other stuff, we can talk about it another time. They won, they won, they won. It's game seven. I mean, everyone's running on the field, media. And, yeah, I want to go down there. I want to <laughs> be in that, around that. But I also know that, you know, I didn't have a pass. To, it wasn't arranged. They did win. My goal was for the, the Cubs to win. My goal was not to be on the field celebrating with them. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, my goal was not – my goal was to help the Cubs win not be on the field. I didn't have right. visions of celebrating on the field with the Cubs. Right, right. That was not in my vision, and that was not my goal. My goal was to help the Cubs win, and then I also knew, hey, if they win, I'm going to get a chance to be in the parade. In the I mean, parade. it seems that way. It wasn't like, hey, you win, come on the field and celebrate with us. Right. We're going to win and do the parade. So that was in my mind. It wasn't win – party on the field parade it was win and parade that's where my mind was at so you know they win it's a madhouse down there i just you know look out at everything walk around the stadium and the cub fans you know probably like 20 20,000 were just hanging out in the stadium and the, and the indians let everybody stay yeah yeah so to like 2 a.m oh cool Wow. So two o'clock. Cause the game ended like a little after midnight. That's right. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was late. They let the Indians just let everybody leave alone to like 2 AM. Then they said, okay, you got to start exiting and it's raining. And the Cubs fans, they're just in a daze. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, you see them walking around. They're like cheering, but they're also just, can you believe this just happened? What's happened? This yeah. game, the weather, where am I? Yeah. Oh man. Everything. So God, it's a long podcast. <laughs> but it's good for me to get this off my chest and then I can, you know, share my stories. Yeah. Yes. Well, the dude, more I tell the story, it fleshes out. We're loving it, man. This is yeah. I mean, this is firsthand experience. This is a stuff. detailed I mean, trip through one of the greatest world series of all time. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, also the historical nature of what you were involved in too. It's right. It was sweet. history. Yeah. So so Enclosure. So you did not go on the field in game seven. I did not. Okay. Looking back on it, I probably could have. Okay. Looking back pushed, on it, yeah. I probably could have been on the field. What would that have gotten me? Maybe closer in or at, I mean, I wasn't going to jump in the pile. I'm just saying like <laughs> probably could have been down there in one way or another. And you did but, not go in the locker room or any of that kind of stuff either. No, and I knew the locker room. Looking back on that, everyone said it was like you couldn't even move around. It it wasn't fun. Yeah. Again, again. Not while you were there. Yes. That would have been cool to be a part of. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's one of my, if you want to call it a regret, maybe it was because I couldn't find, you know, I would have been there with Brazello's sister. Yeah. But I didn't have the pass. So I didn't push that. And it wasn't, that wasn't my deal. You know, that's the thing with like my, the baseball, you take calculated risks. 
I didn't feel this was a time to take a calculated rest. No, especially in hindsight now, knowing that you were a part of the parade. And let me ask you this in respect to the parade. So obviously, you find your way back to Chicago. The parade does it? Does parade starts at Wrigley Field? So that that you have to meet up with everybody at Wrigley Field. Is that how that all? Yeah. So all right. So they win the game. The next, I go back to the Red Roof Inn. I sleep until like twelve. I check out. I know it's you know, like five, five and a half hours to get back to Chicago. So I'm, my goal is on my way back to Chicago is one, I need to drop off the car by eight o'clock. I think it was, or seven o'clock downtown at the bus with the Avis rental car. Then I also had, now I knew that we, on the way back, I found out that the parade was going to be on Friday. Right. You know, nobody knew they thought it was going to be on Monday. Maybe my flight to go home is on Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. At five o'clock. So my flight is for five and I'm driving back and I go. So I find it. We find out like once I started going that the parade's on Friday, my flights on Friday, I don't have a hotel room, but I know I got invited to the parade. And I need to do that parade. I need to make myself available for that. So I'm going to either, you know, got to do something about my plane ticket. But I was also driving. I had like no, you know, no time. Check in the car at 8. And then Brazello said be up at near Wrigley Field at one of their uh, bars at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock. So that, I get that there. That night? That, you're talking about that night? That well, night. Thursday night. So Okay. Yes, Thursday night. So I, I get back into Chicago. I drop off the rental car drop it off. And on the way I, I got another hotel. Yes. I got a hotel at the, at the Hyatt downtown. They had it for a decent rate. So now I got a hotel through Monday. Oh, okay. So now I'm there through Monday and I, the parades on Friday. So I figure I'll stay around for the weekend, soak it all in. Maybe some more stuff is going to happen. Who knows? But now I got a place to stay. Tonight, tomorrow, through Monday, and I've dropped off the rental car, so I don't have that. And then Brazello says, meet us up there. So I go up there, and, you know, it's an informal thing where everyone's there. And then Peter gets there, and he's basically saying to people, get to Wrigley by, you know, 8.30 in the morning. We're going to open at 9, meet everybody at 8.30. So I'm in on that. He said, okay. There it is. You're in. So... I get up, get this. So I, I go back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. I go, everyone's drunk, drunk, <laughs> buzz, but not bad. I barely get drunk anymore. Right. And I, you know, get up early, like at six o'clock in the morning. Some, I, I don't want to, there, there's a parade. Like, I don't want to chance it yeah. in terms of traffic mm-hmm. and everything. So I get up early, shower. And at like 7.30, I Ubered up. It says, just take a half hour. And you see start people coming up out on the streets. And we get there, and they drop you off like you can't get to Wrigley. Yeah, it's barricaded it's... off, which I knew it would be. Right. And you could walk. So I get there, and it's like, okay, drops me off. And then I walk for like 15 minutes, and I get to like one of the entrances. And now the crowds are just filling up. And the cops won't really let you through. They, they want to see ID. I go, I'm here with the parade. He goes, I got to see ID. I go, I'm here with the coach. He told me to meet him here. I can't let you in. I go, oh, so I'm starting to stress. I can't get in. The crowd's mounting. 
So then I go to a security guy for the Cubs. I say, look, I'm with the, uh, I'm here. I was told. Um, and it's just a crazy scene. I'm on yeah. the opposite end of the stadium, like in the right field corner. Normally they go in on the left field corner. That's where the main area is. But I was in the right field corner. Cause you just kind of went where the crowd was going. It was all blocked off. Yeah. So I talked to the security guy. I can't let you in. I don't, you don't have a pad. What do you do? And no, they weren't being jerks. No, they just right. said, I they can't were... do it. I can't do it. So I call Peter and I, 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 he picked up and I said, Peter, I'm, they won't let me in. Is there any way I can get in? Can you like talk to somebody? And he said, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to get into the parade. I'm going to be trapped. Yep. I'm going to be trapped. And I knew I had other guys like I could call, but again, it was like, it's a craziness. Like, uh, you know, you know, everything, nobody knows what's going on. So I'm there. And then like, after like, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the security guard. I see a guy that I know, Jeff, he works with the Cubs. This is like a huge, you know, thousands of people out in the street. Right. You know, there's a million different entrances and he's coming there. I see him. I go, Jeff, I can't get in. I go in with you. And he was at the party the night before, you know, you, you see the face and I know yeah. I'm not super well, but he likes comedy and I always talk to him. He works for the team, the players and some other stuff. So I basically just held on to him and the guards, <laughs> yeah, you're with him. So now I'm walked in with Jeff yes. and his two friends. Now we're in Wrigley Field. I can relax. So then I'm in and then I see Peter and then I'm still not relaxed until I get a wristband. Right. And they tell me, okay, you're on the bus. When I could relax was when I got on the bus. When like, you're okay, actually on a bus. Now you're set. So then, so I, you know, I, there, you know, it just shows you about persistence and lead. I had, to, there was no guarantees. There was no guarantees. This is an investment. I took risks. And believe me, there were roadblocks yeah. along the way that would have changed history if it turned out. Uh, differently yeah but i got into the game i got into game five i got into the parade i drove to cleveland i got the see when i got the hotel room changed that gave then i go see the players i'm not out in the i'm not out in the boondocks right. i'm near the action so and, and so it's just one if i decided like hey i'm gonna go out and get to the get to the hotel early and then shower, go to Starbucks, then come to the game. Instead, I say, I'm going to stay here first. Yeah. And when I walked to the hotel and I saw the owner and I saw Brazello and I saw Joe Madden and I saw Arietta and I saw Justin Grimm, you talk to the guys, you're back in them. Yeah. So my message to people, if you really want to be a part of something, you've got to invest. You've got to put your time in your, your, it's money, it's time. It's a lot of stuff and you create some of your luck and you hope for the best. And it's not for everybody. This no. is not about making money. This is not about having kids. <laughs> this is not about having a loving relationship. <laughs> this is about winning. And that was my goal. It's about spending and a lot of money on hotel rooms to participate. You don't look at it. I also know that indirectly down the road, hopefully that I am inspiring people and sharing my message on how I help the Chicago Cubs push through. I honestly feel like, you know, baseball, you got to be tough. 
you know, it's not, it's, it's not about being nice. It's about winning, making the tough decisions, having fun and caring. Yeah. So I feel like Chicago, it's a very happy town. We do improv. We're nice. Oh, shucks. This and that. That's not how you win baseball games. <laughs> right. You know, how you win baseball games yeah. by being smart, caring, putting the time in blue collar values. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. And that's what I tried to tell people all along. Things don't get done in a too friendly of an environment. You have to be tough. You have to put, you're not, not saying you put fear into people, but you show people, this is how we do it. You don't need to be scared. You can do it. It yeah. takes energy. It takes positivity. Are you afraid of positivity? Then we don't want you. Right. So I, I tried to show people along the way, like, look at me, a guy from Reseda who drove a Pinto who can't work in Hollywood anymore. Somehow I got in the parade with the Chicago Cubs based off what buying my way in. Did I win a contest? No, <laughs> no. I freaking put my energy out. I, I, it was a grind for me. And now I have a story to tell. Yeah. And I also feel like I have a story to tell. I had some great photos. I had a great experience. And I also, like I said, it, it shows you, what it take? Look at look at Chicago. How happy they are! Look at the crowds that came out. Look at the families. Look at all the goodness. Again, that comes from structure, yeah. rules, respect for authority. So, you're allowed to have flair. Look at the Cubs. They have flair. They do things different. Joe Madden he mixes things up. But within that, you need to have structure, and that's what Theo Epstein did. He did it in Boston. And he did it in Chicago. Yeah. You take some brains and you take it a little bit of a, you know, tough love. People don't want the tough love. Yeah. They, they don't. You're not supposed to talk to me that way. Negative energy is not allowed in winning Major League Baseball environments. That's what I try to tell people. You know, when I worked at Chelsea lately, I brought positive energy. I can't tell you how many comedians bought condominiums and homes based off my positive energy. Same thing with Best Damn Sports Show. Nobody believed in that show. I did. Yeah. I pushed it every day. And now people look back on that show and they speak pretty fondly of it. And they don't understand that I was pushing every day. You know, I did the same thing. I pushed at midnight and then it became not fun. You know, you started getting pushed back. Right. And same thing at a couple other shows. I got, I would get pushed back not only from like, low life audience members, but also, you know, some of these, you know, a stage manager and it became not fun for me. So. Well, it's almost kind of this, it's almost like this experience has been a good uh, relief to, um, and, and there, there is definitely something weird going on in the business right now. I'd be the first to agree with you, um, in respects to, I, I think, um, the, the negativity, but I think it's also kind of like in society, there's a weird negativity. You also see it on, on, on social media as well. And I think you brought that up earlier. And that's why I think like this whole experience that you had with the, with the Cubs and, um, and how you shared it. I mean, that's how I know about it. Cause you were sharing it. I was like, I was so stoked. And I did happen. I did record the parade, by the way, Brody. And and after I saw, 
um, your your I believe it was a it was either Facebook Live or a, a Periscope, and then I went through and and sure sure enough there it was, was I freeze frame I turned to my wife I'm like yep there he is on the bus so you got me on the you got me on video I saw I yeah I saw it on WGN yeah I recorded it. it was it was a replay on MLB Network and sure enough I paused it and there you were just I've been watching Cubs games that were like in I can't remember where it was but I felt like it was Pittsburgh. And it was like they're scanning the crowd, and then they go up onto the jumbotron with the camera, and they go up on the jumbotron, and there's Brody <laughs> wearing like yeah. a Cubs hat with like another guy with a huge beard, and he's just like hanging out on the jumbotron. And I was like, I bet the Cubs Wait, were you at this the game? game? No, I was at home watching on TV, <laughs> and, and they showed it on WGN. They, no, it wasn't WGN. I have, uh, I have, I have the um, MLB uh, network package or whatever. So I was watching it through like Lennon, Lennon, Bob, Lennon, Bob were doing the game, but um, right. I don't think it was WGN necessarily. It was like either sport, Comcast Net or something like that. Right. Yeah. So they 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 on the TV they yeah. were showing. I, I think I I, mean, I paused I remember, it. I, I paused that. it and took a picture of it and was like, oh, nothing like seeing Brody Stevens pop up <laughs> on the jumbotron at a Cubs game that's not even in Chicago <laughs> or LA. Like it was just some random place. <laughs> No, I think it was actually in the at Wrigley. I don't oh, know. Was it I Wrig- did oh. some at Wrigley and I was on the jumbotron. Ah, okay. So I felt like it was but, somewhere else. Yeah. 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 You know, it was just. And it's not about gloating. It's just look. Stop. And uh, to be honest, it was kind of for me. I circled on my calendar November. I go. I'm going to push the Cubs through, and I need to see the how this election turns out. I'm going to be honest with you. That's all I was focusing on was right. the Cubs and the election. That's yeah. it. I kind of. I don't. I'm not doing shows. I'm not. I was, that was my energy. Yeah. My initial, I knew what the Cubs were doing was good. And I can tell like it was Chicago wanted it. The people of Chicago wanted this. And he said, you know, you're going to get it. And that's get it. And that team deserved believing and being positive and not, you know, the Cub fans, they want to be negative. You can feel like two strikes or they're they're, there. They get an out. Yeah. It's hard. And they got all sad. Yeah. I go, you can't get sad. You can't be soft. You can't be. No. And they fought back. Yeah, this team. Fought. I'm sorry, Brody. Yeah. What I was going to say was this team, and I, you know it because you saw it firsthand, they, I think, forever changed the culture of a Cubs fan. Because there, there was that, like, you could always feel like almost the like first mistake and we were done. And it, and it sucks the air out of the room like a bad joke yeah, in the original negative. room at the comedy store. It huh. just sucks it away. And, and I just feel like this team was brought in. And this organization, to collectively, these people this team were is brought in to together. change. But they changed the culture yeah. of that city and the perception of the Cubs. And, and it's okay to have two outs because you can still come back. Yeah, it's okay if you to stay down in the, the game. Yeah, the ninth, exactly. You can still come back. It was, it was it was an interesting teaching lesson. And and the fact that you were able to share um, the personal experience, I'm glad. I'm glad I caught that. I, I don't I don't spend as much time on social media as I used to. So I was glad that I caught. Some of the thing was on Instagram. Some of the stuff that you that you post on there, and I was like, I told Huck, I'm like, we got to get him on the show because he can share a firsthand experience of that. And, and you did, man. That was awesome. I really appreciate the story you shared. Yeah, thank you, Brody. That was My great. pleasure. That My, was great. you know, again, yeah. Those are. I'm being honest. That's where that's where it comes from. It comes from the blue collar baseball valley push. You know, having a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, our shoulder. You know, Brazil and I, we always talk about the valley. So we had that. I'm telling you, there's some, there's something to that. And that's why it feels good. It took, it took a guy from the Valley 
to write it. And, and, and people put down the valley. That's where I tied it into Hollywood. Like they always put down the valley. They put down the 818. Oh, you're out in the valley. Well, a guy from the 818 and his pal from the 818 changed history. Yeah. Because we weren't negative. We worked hard. We pushed. We believed. And look what happened. So that's what it takes. And it was also based off this guy's a winner. Just like Theo was a winner, Brazello's yeah. a winner. Yeah. yeah. So winning does matter. Yeah. It does. You know, and being, and I saw it firsthand. That's what I try to share on Twitter. That's what I try to share in comedy. But you know what? It's not wanted. It's not, it's being funny is fourth on the list. Oh yeah. It's what do you look like? Who, who you are? Where are you going? Not about getting laughs at the comedy store. You know, it's like, I, why aren't I ever on at midnight? Why aren't I? These guys, it's like, you because you, I don't toe the line. I wish I could, but my health matters. Yeah. I say. Brody getting political, tied in, to, you know, taking his ball, taking his World Series ball and going home. <laughs> I say keep being who you are, man, because ever since I moved out here, you've always been the same person. You've always had the same message. You've always done the same things. You've always been one of those kind of yeah, guys. Yeah, but that, you know what? My money's running out. Well, but you know what? What I'm, what I'm saying is because you're true to yourself, it comes back around is what I, what I really do we'll believe. See. And I, I believe it will come back around for you because you're that kind of guy that people were for those that don't that listen to the show that don't live in LA. Brody Stevens is one of those guys that when you go to a comedy show or you see him on the street, he calls out your name, says something positive and keeps it in that realm, makes you feel good about yourself. And then he goes on his way. And that's one of those things that, you know, you'll be remembered for, for always, you know, and that's why it comes back around. I do believe that it will come back around. Well, we'll see, you know, we will see, but I, I do. Uh, yes, it feels great. It does. It does feel good. There's no, there's no denying it, no getting around it. It does feel good. Awesome. All right, Brody, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate you giving us the time today. How long was that, 15 minutes? That was about, that was about 10 minutes, so we'll edit it down to five and see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going up. The good thing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to post it today so we can stay current. So. Yeah, and uh, I'll say this, Brody. I was feeling really uh, kind of uh, not so good about society this morning when I woke up, so I'm glad we did this show, and I feel You're better, better now. I am. You feel good. I that am. guy's like Brody. Yep. Yeah, Brody, come That's, with us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I love it. It's All fun right. over here. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for everything you did for the Chicago Cubs, because as a fan f since, uh, you know, 1977, I uh, I really uh, was looking forward to this win. Are you any emotional? I think John's crying. No, I, I, I've, got, I've gotten some tears. What happened was, like, after the fact, when I was watching the replay of the game and knowing what was coming up and, like, knowing what happened and watching Rizzo put the ball in his pocket and watching Bryant get the last out to Rizzo and, like, the, the only thing that would have made that game completely perfect would have been if, say, Harry Carey or Vin Scully had called it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you could have gotten a Vin Scully call on that World Series game, it would have been the all-time. I mean, it is the all-time right. greatest game. But but uh, I just feel like, I mean, Smoltz is good, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I can't, I'm not complaining at all. I'm just saying um, thank you, and thanks for doing the show, man. We really appreciate it. You got it. All right, guys, thank you very much. Talk, All right, talk to you soon, Brody. Enjoy thanks. It. All right, take, okay. take it easy, buddy. Bye.